0: Yo, it's the Throwboy Show, the podcast where I talk to awesome people who make awesome stuff. I'm your host, Roberto Hoyos, and what is happening, everyone? Today, I have a really great guest. He's one of my good friends, Mr. Erfon Elijah. He is the host of the very, very popular podcast, The Cult Cast, where they talk about all things Apple. Uh, we talked about that. We also talked about where he grew up, um, some of the new things that you can expect from Erphon in the future. So without further ado, let's get right into the show. Here is Mr. Erphon Elijah. What's
1: going on, man? Hello! <coughs> Hello, dude. What's going on? Wrong show. <laughs> that's just a habit. I do that when whenever anyone greets me. That's how I reply. <laughs> Well, welcome to the show, man. It's been a really long
0: time. It's been forever. Getting the band back together. That's right. Well, thanks for being on the show, dude. I feel like a lot of your listeners don't really know you, and I thought it would be fun for them to know more about you and everything like that.
1: (laughs) I'm going to blow my cover here
0: and show everyone just how idiotic and uncool I am. (laughs) Yeah, they haven't figured
1: that out yet. But uh, you've been doing the cult cast for a while. Yeah, it's been... I always I always forget how long it's been. I think we've been doing it for over 5 years now cuz I know we did our 5 year anniversary I think last February, I think. Wow. So we're going on 6 years now. 6 years. Wow.
0: Is that the longest project that you've had that has been going on that long consistently?
1: That's the longest thing I've done in in any aspect of my life. I've not done anything for 6 years. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that is such a long time. It's longer than I, I've never had a job one one of the same jobs for six years. I've never done anything for six years. Yeah, it's 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 been a long time, but it doesn't feel like it's been six years. Like I feel like it took us maybe four or five years to even find our stride, mm-hmm. and I feel like now is kind of just the just the beginning of it. Like maybe now is when we're really gonna start doing some more cool stuff. Cool.
0: Well, I want to hear all about that, but before we do, um, let's kind of rewind it r- 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 and go to, you grew up in California, right?
1: I was born in Hollywood, California.
0: Was there stuff about that being there that kind of led you to want to do entertainment related things?
1: I don't think so. I moved here when I was nine or eight or nine. I moved to Redmond, Washington, which of course is where Microsoft lives. And, and it's funny. I, I, Really, in in middle school and high school is when I started really having a desire to do just something. This is gonna sound so cliche, and I don't even know if this is the right way to, to describe it, but something entertainment related. You know, like I always liked being in front of people. I always liked doing stuff for people, entertaining people, making them laugh. You know what have you? And I did some media stuff in middle school, but then in high school that's really when I started getting in a lot more into it. And so I was on like the morning show at the school and constantly doing like little sketches and stuff, which I'm sure were absolutely terrible, terrible. <laughs> I remember some of them and thinking back to them now, I'm like, I bet you they were so Hopefully dumb. Hopefully no so one bad. Has those tapes. I, I ha- I actually have all the masters. I have okay. all the master <laughs> tapes and one day I would like to digitize them, but I don't know why. Cause I'm never going to show them to anyone. That could be a great, but, patreon perk you know when you finally start up a patreon (laughs) that's actually dude i should write that down that's a great idea that's a great patreon reward actually is to release some of these videos of me in high school where i'm actually mortified if anyone's seen them (laughs) and it's funny i i i kind of left behind all of the entertainment media related stuff when i went to college And was more focused on just trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And I was in college forever. I was like Polly Shore in, um, (laughs) what's that movie where he's on the farm. Uh, I can't remember the name of it. Um, son-in-law. It might be son-in-law. Yeah. And he was constantly changing majors. Right. And every, like every semester he changed. That was me. I didn't know what I wanted to do for a long time. And and then I stumbled into technology, which I, I found an immediate love for, because I'd always grown up around technology, taking things apart. And I liked building computers and that type of thing, but. I started working and, and eventually I realized after years of working, like, like I, I projected forward 10 years and thought about what I would be doing in 10 years. And I just wasn't satisfied with any of, of that outcome. I mean, you're making more money, but I didn't really think of the work as satisfying anyway. And, and it was kind of around that time, I'd say maybe even like 2006, 2007, that strangely I started making my way back to all the things I did in high school that I really loved and, and I realized the only reason I moved away from those things is because it's tough to make money doing any of that stuff. Yeah. And back then, I mean,
0: when we were growing up, we're about the same age. It, it was just hard to get in front of anyone, you know, if you didn't have like connections or anything like that, it's way oh different. Oh my gosh,
1: dude, can you even imagine, can you even imagine if when we were growing up, if we had YouTube, <laughs> yeah. Vimeo, Twitter, uh, Vine, Vine, I mean, you look at some of the people who are popular on YouTube now. And all they did was get popular making stupid videos on Vine. I mean, all the kind of stuff that every middle school and high school kid did. And now they have like, like millions of of followers like Jake Paul. It's like, dude. Yeah, we just didn't have those resources available to us. Right. We would have been rich and famous.
0: (laughs) It should have been us.
1: So when you said you were in the workforce, uh, what sort of things were you doing? So my degree is in management information systems, which was a, a mixture of business and programming. And so I was doing a little bit of programming when I first started, and then I decided that I would I could probably make more money if I was doing some type of like project management. Which in retrospect was an absolutely incorrect assumption. Like you could make way more money as a developer. And so I moved into project management, and I had kind of been doing that in and out of my. I hate to call it a career because I don't really feel like it was a career, but in and out of the kinds of jobs that I was taking. And I've always been, I've always liked people and I also have that technical side. So I kind of found a niche talking to people who weren't technical about technical things, because a lot of people who are really technical are also super hyper weird. Yeah. And developers who are really brilliant often have a hard times, have a hard time dealing with people and talking with people, man, I'm starting to sound like that guy in office space (laughs) who, who dealt with the developers. Right. he's like, he's like, I give the specs to the developers. (laughs) That's, that's in a way what I'm good at doing because oftentimes the developers are not good with, with people and, 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 and they're not good with customer service. And that's an important aspect of business. Right. And Mm -hmm. it's funny because it's, Something that makes that character look like a total moron in office <laughs> space. But it's actually true. A lot of developers are just not good with people. And so it, you need you need someone who can talk their language, but can also speak with somebody who is not technical to kind of get things done sometimes. And, um, and yeah, so that's kind of uh, what I've been doing for a long time and trying to make my way back to doing things that are more programming related, but also uh, just making more content. Like I just... I, d- I enjoy making content, and uh, that's just kind of what I. That's kind of where I want to keep moving is to, into making more and more cool content and editing, especially. Like I really enjoy that.
0: So during that time, you're working a job that you're not really that into, and I remember you telling me before that you read the Four Hour Work Week book, and that kind of
1: shook you out of that mentality. Oh man, yeah, I completely forgot even about that path. So if you're talking about the specific path into cult cast, it's kind of a strange story actually because there was a guy that I was talking to years ago and he started he started telling me about what he was doing in his job and he was starting to automate some of the things that he felt like he didn't really need to devote attention to and he's, he was having people help him do things that were kind of monotonous so that he could spend more time doing other things in his day. And I was I was talking with him about this, and he mentioned that he got this idea from the Four Hour Work Week, which was a Tim Ferriss book that came out. I don't even know what two thousand seven or something. Yeah, 2008? around, around two thousand seven, I think. Okay, and so I randomly I read it, and I, I I kind of got inspired from it too, because I think the whole point of the book is trying to figure out what you what you should actually be focusing on and how to, how to get into markets that you aren't currently in and to sell products or to build an audience or what have you. And so I was really into Apple stuff and, and I got it into my mind because I had been thinking, thinking about having a t-shirt company. I mm-hmm. want to do graphic t-shirts uh-huh. cause I really like design and stuff. And, and so I thought I could get into that market and I was like, well, how could I, how could I, how could I get myself in like a niche slice of that market? Cause there's so much, there's so many graphic t-shirt companies out there. Sure. And I was like, well, I should do Mac or Apple-based t-shirts because no one's really doing that. And one of the things that Tim Cook suggested in this book was that you could advertise in magazines, and and those magazines are really good at bringing you a very uh, good slice of a market. And if you want to figure out what's, how to advertise to these people and what kind of products to sell, you can look at different magazines to figure out who you should be speaking to. Mm. So I started advertising in... Macworld Magazine, which was a total disaster and actually didn't help me at all. But I did end up getting some coverage by Cult of Mac. And they were covering the Apple t-shirts that I was making at the time. And long story short, I got connected with Leander Caney, started writing for Cult of Mac. And then some time later was pushing Leander to, to start doing a podcast with me because he had this audience and... Leander and I have very good chemistry together sure. and I always enjoy the conversations that we had and I always thought to myself this is something that we could you know record and release and people might enjoy mm-hmm. and you know flash forward here we are still doing it and I think that that chemistry between Leander and I Leander and most people really is kind of the key ingredient to the show and and it's what makes Our relationship, I feel like, is what makes it interesting to both of us, he and I, and then also, hopefully, to people who are listening.
0: Yeah, I agree. And the other thing I really like about your show is that no two people are the same in their opinions. Like, you guys aren't all just cheerleading Apple. You know, some of you have, like, a totally different perspective, like Leander. And Mm -hmm. it makes it for a better show that not everyone's just, like... All, all positivity on one thing or all negativity on another thing.
1: That's interesting, huh? I, I never really considered that, but that's a good point. huh? You don't want everyone just spouting the same opinions,
0: right? Because I mean, there's definitely shows that are are Mac related that everyone is just gushing over Apple.
1: Yeah, you know, honestly, I, I, I think that used to kind of be my. That was more my position on it when we started. Is I, I felt like I, I felt a responsibility to be a cheerleader and to and to hype up things that Apple made. And I don't think I did that irrespective of any any flaws in Apple products. I think that, that we would talk about those occasionally, but we're much more apt to do that now. I think we're much more balanced now where I get excited about things that Apple does that are really cool. But if you listen to the show, I mean, there's there's products that you can tell that we don't really we're not, we're not huge fans of, or not as much of fans as other Apple products. And I'm not afraid to let that be known anymore. I kind of feel like it makes the show more interesting.
0: Yeah. I think as long as it's not like just a bash fest, you know, (laughs) that kind of (laughs) thing.
1: I also think that it makes it more interesting. I mean, I, I think oftentimes people want to hear what you don't like more than you like. Sure. You know, and 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 uh, and maybe we don't do it often enough and talk about the things that we don't like. But you also kind of you want to balance it out, right? Like you don't want to just take a dump on everything <laughs> right. during your show and just talk. It's really easy to be to be a critic. Sure. And I, I don't want to be that guy who just points out everything that's wrong with everything. It's really easy to do. And I think it's good to do every once in a while, but I don't want to be that guy who just takes a shit out on everything. You know, it's like, <laughs> especially when you're not creating things as amazing as Apple does. Right. It's like that uh, Steve Jobs email where he's
0: talking to one of the press that's... Um, I was just thinking about that. And he's just like, what have you ever created? You know, what are you doing besides criticizing yeah. other people's work?
1: Yeah. I feel that way sometimes too, because I, we do a lot of that on the show and... And again, it's a balance because I, you don't want to make your career just tearing down someone who's doing something productive. And just creating the cult cast, I mean, I can say it's because that is a creative work in some aspects. Um, being creative and creating something is really hard work and doing something good is not easy to do. And and when you're involved in creative work, I think you're a little bit more lenient on other people. You're more willing to give them a break because you know that sometimes it's difficult to do. One of the things I
0: really enjoy about the show is how over time you've kind of turned their personalities into kind of like a... These caricature personas, <laughs> so it's very cool for the listener because they can go, "Oh, I know that Buster is this kind of person," but it's sort of like tongue in cheek, and what <laughs> Leander is like. <laughs> Leander is like this. You the drunk one, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but how did that come about? Was that just sort of natural, or did you intend to do that?
1: Yeah. Uh, well, they definitely weren't premeditated. Um, I mean in fact if you listen to the first show you can tell it's the the whole the whole tone the whole vibe of the show is much more subdued. Right. I think it's just what happens when you hang out with people a lot, right? I mean people like when you when you know when you know people well enough, you start joking around with them and there are aspects of their personality which start to become caricatured mm-hmm. and you start to like bring stuff up with them that they do and you start to exaggerate it a little bit just to poke fun at them a little bit. <laughs> And the more we did the show, I feel like the more that kind of stuff happened. And plus Leander is a caricature just in, ge- in general. So yeah. he's really easy to get good material out of because he does, he's such a quirky guy and he's such a, he's such an entertaining person. Mm-hmm. His personality, he's like Larry David in a way, right? He's just, he's such an oddball. Yeah. That's it's, it's easy to pick out little, like, little uh, parts of his character and, and sh- showcase them because I find them to be so interesting. And, and you know, I, I just, the, the thing that I always just try to do is I try to find something that entertains me mm-hmm. and uh, hit or miss. That's always what I'm trying to do. And Whenever I edit the show, if I have a good time listening to it, if I have a good time um, editing it, then I feel good. And I feel like we created something that was worthwhile. And then there are some shows where I'm listening to it. I'm absolutely bored out of my mind. And I'm thinking to myself, I can't believe that people are going to listen to this because this is terrible. In fact, I'd say I have that feeling a lot, <laughs> and and you just have to push through it and put that show to rest, release it, and then move on and try and do it better the next time. Yeah, uh, and um, and eventually you you end up where we, where we are now, where you have like as you said like these characters, which Buster even brought up to me. Uh, before if, if he, he said he feels like each one of us has a character that we play and it's it's not they're not like fictional characters they are based upon it's like based on a true story type character right where they're parts of us but they're not all of us yeah. and they may be exaggerated parts of us but you know it's an audio podcast you got to make it entertaining somehow um, but i don't feel like I, I i always hate when something sounds contrived if if i feel like it, it sounds like we're trying then I feel like we failed. Like really, I'm trying to find little pieces of truth uh, in the conversation, the little pieces of truth about our characters that I can emphasize to make those things, uh, to make those things shine. I don't, re- I don't want to feel like we're putting on like a, like a fictional show where the whole thing's scripted and you know those characters are wildly different than how we actually are. Although in Leander's case, that might be true.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, and it would be really hard to have you know everyone almost act every
1: show. Right. So, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. You, it's kind of like, there's this really great documentary about Johnny Carson. Um, it's called like masters of something or other. I can't remember the name of it right now. It was on Netflix and it might still be on Netflix. I think it's called American masters and they just, they, they do documentary style work on entertainers and they were talking about Johnny Carson and how, he developed people on his show and created characters out of them. I mean, it's exactly what they do on late night television, right? I mean, like you have these relationships with people and you find the aspects of them that are funny or interesting and then you bring those aspects to light over and over and over again and eventually those people start to emphasize those aspects more because they they figure out that they're entertaining or they're getting a laugh mm. and you start to play off each other. And in the same way, I feel like that's what's happened on the cult cast Is is we all just kind of play off each other i feel like me more than maybe other people i don't i don't really feel like i have a persona on the show strangely (laughs) enough i feel like i'm just me and then everyone else is really interesting (laughs) like if i were going to create a t-shirt i could probably figure out what what i would what i would do with leander's t-shirt what i I would figure out with her to do with buster's t-shirt but what the hell would i do with mine like what could i do with mine i really have no idea because i'm the guy who's constantly slinging the lines right like not there's not many coming my way yeah (laughs) so my shirt would be the boring one it just says hello yeah that's right there you go that's all i
0: got (laughs) do you read your itunes reviews do you do you interact with the the people on twitter that are giving you feedback do you do you listen to that sort of feedback i mean what do you? What kind of stuff do you get from the people that are really invested and really hardcore about your show?
1: From the people that love the show, it's always positive feedback. And actually, I don't even read the iTunes reviews anymore. I used to, but I I stopped. And the reason I stopped was because they don't they don't help me. Uh, I I feel like like I said, I have to make something that I think is entertaining. That's the only way I know how to do it. I can't make something that you think is entertaining because I don't know what you like. And many times people who wa- who listen to the show, they don't even know what they like. Yeah. It's back and to the Steve so, Jobs thing right exactly, there. Exactly. 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 So you just got to do what feels right to you. And that's always what I'm striving for. And so I find that the reviews, they affect my judgment in a way that I don't like. So I try not to read them. Um, Twitter feedback is always great. Uh, the, the feedback I get on Twitch is always good because it's, it's, you know, live and in person and people can tell me exactly what they think. And, I don't re- I don't usually hear about what people don't like. I always hear about what people do like. And so if I hear about something that someone likes, I try to, or if there's a lot of people that like the same thing, I'll try to do more of that thing so that people get what they want out of the show. And, uh, but I, I honestly, I don't get a lot of feedback in that regard. Like, like I said, I, the show kind of exists in a vacuum because, it's a one way broadcast and, sure. and we don't get as much feedback as i would like but um i do have a i do have a slack channel where i have some some hardcore listeners who help me with various things and they give oh, me that's feedback awesome. from time to time and and that's something that we might open up to other cult cast listeners eventually it's something that i want to do mm-hmm. um quite honestly that the, the I'm just not sure how to do it yet. Um, if I should just open up to everybody or or, or it's, if it's going to be like involved in like some kind of like Patreon tier. Sure, yeah. Because I really kind of want to go listener supported and mm-hmm. um, so we don't have to take so many ads. Right. And uh, and that way we could really get, you know, personal, up close and personal because I, that's, and you know, you, I mean, we've talked about this a ton before. I mean, building a tribe, right? That's really what I want to do is yeah. I want to build a tribe of people who are interested in the types of things that we talk about in the way that we talk about them. And I want to have a back and forth with these people. Like I don't, I don't really want to just have a one way broadcast.
0: Yeah. Um, And that's
1: good because I mean, now we have the tools to
0: easily live stream. It's not like back in the day with podcasts, like Dignation where it was just
1: one way. That's a good point. I never considered that. Yeah. That, that wasn't interactive at all. was it? unless they went to, unless they went to Yeah, and uh, (laughs) we all got to go live show. Yeah. I did a live show and uh, I did, I did a, uh, a Twitch stream last night of the iPhone X and why I thought the Animoji feature was going to be a lot cooler than people think. Mm. And I had some videos that I played and some different articles that I displayed and I was superimposed on the front of them and I was getting to talk about all this stuff which was great. And then also at the same time people could be in the chat telling me what they thought and we were interacting and, and that was... that That is, that is the current... That's where we at. That's where we're at now, but it's also the future. I think of what I want to do. Um, the live stuff is is incredible, and having that instant feedback and, and being able to play off a, a, of other people, yeah, is something that I really thrive off of. Mm-hmm. You know, I need that enthusiasm. I, I, I'm am I'm an ideas guy, right? I need I need to bounce <laughs> off of people, and and I need people to bounce off of me, and and so I really want to do more of that kind of stuff. And um, that's one of the nice things about Twitch as well is if you have an idea. Twitch is great because you can put the idea out there. You can do a video, you can talk about a topic and you get instant response. I mean, you can see if people like it or if they don't show up, clearly they're just not interested in it. Mm -hmm. And so they're voting with their feet. And then the great part is, is you can fail and the video is gone in what? 20, 30 days. I mean, Twitch has a limited lifespan for, for videos. It's not like YouTube where the, where, where the videos exist forever. They're gone after a certain amount of time. So you, you, it's easier to make mistakes on Twitch because you know that that video is not going to be around for the rest of your life. And you're in a weird position doing what I do because I mean, the cult cast has a following and it's, it's so people think about people know that you have a show that's successful, quote unquote successful in one one regard. Right. And they come watch something else that you're doing. and, And I don't really have a total idea of of what i'm doing yet in some regards with this twitch stream or some of the youtube stuff that i'm doing and so they there might be a disconnect in quality like they look at the cult cast and they really like it and then they come over to twitch and they're like whoa what you're doing is totally weird and it kind of (laughs) sucks and so it makes you it it makes you hesitant to want to put new stuff out there because you don't want to put out something that's not as high quality as another product that you're putting out that people like Mm -hmm. And as you know, the only way to, to learn, the only way to grow is just to keep putting out stuff. Right. Yeah. In fact, there's this great Steve jobs video where he's talking about exactly that. And basically it's like a two minute video when it boils down to is sometimes the difference between oftentimes the difference between someone who's successful and someone who's not is, is the guy who's, who's successful is just willing to pick up the phone. And he's willing to make the phone call and, and, and talk to the person that he needs to talk to to get the help that he needs or to make the sale. Mm, yeah. And that person has to be used to failure. And that's so cliche. You hear that all the time. Like you have to be okay with failure. And that's something that I've heard a zillion times in my life, but really in the last six months, it has really landed with me hard because it's not just saying to me anymore. Failure means you're going to do something. You're going to be embarrassed. You're gonna do something that sucks. People are gonna tell you that it sucks. You're gonna you're gonna put a lot of effort into something and broadcast it, and then no one's gonna like it or, or or tune into it because they they just don't care because your idea was bad. I mean, it really hits you right in the chest when you fail. At least it does with me. I I don't like to fail, mm-hmm. and I and I've realized that I will often avoid doing something if I think there's a chance that I'll fail at doing it because I'm kind of a perfectionist and I want to put out a a quality product all the time, but when you're starting, it's not like practicing the piano where you can do it in private and, and then, and then, you know, have a recital and show everyone how good you are. Like when you're doing something on Twitch, when you're doing something on YouTube, you got to release a product and that product might suck. And you have to be okay (laughs) with being embarrassed and, and knowing that people are going to see that product and think of you as a total idiot (laughs) until you make something that's better.
0: Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. And as far as streaming, it's not easy to just be, you know, sort of a one man show where you have to keep things going, even though you're really just sort of talking to yourself. And, you know, half the time I, when I stream on Instagram, I'm like, um, okay, does anyone have any questions? And it just sort of goes
1: to dead air. I do that same thing though. I do that same thing. I, I run out of ideas too. I mean, it's just, I think it's only natural. Um, and one of the things I always try to do is lean into the failure, and I, I I don't always do this. And when I don't, I feel like it creates a cringe moment. But this is, this was something that Johnny Carson was really good. Is even when things were going bad, he had he had an ability to really embrace it and go with it, and and it made it entertaining because he wasn't embarrassed, he didn't get sheepish. He realized it was bad, and he was and he was going to rise to another level and just embrace it. And you can see examples hmm. of that in the in the documentary I uh, I talked about earlier, I think, I think it is called American masters with Johnny Carson. It's yeah. I saw it. I saw it a while ago. Oh dude, I've watched it probably 10 times. I I find it, I found it to be endlessly fascinating and, and a lot of people probably don't know who Johnny Carson is because they're not old enough. And actually he's before my time as well. I mean, he was kind of dying uh, when I was young, so Mm -hmm. I didn't really get to see any of his content, but but he was a master. He was a master. And, and once you watch the documentary, you realize pretty much every talk show today is a is a derivative of the format that he created. He created the talk show formats and everyone's just copying him. Yeah. And some people do his shtick better than others, but no one does it as well as he did. And his content, I, I actually felt... After I finished watching the documentary, I felt a deep sense of personal loss. I didn't get to experience all of this content while he was making it. Oh wow. Because now he's gone and his content is is not is not current. It's not in the cultural mindset anymore, right? Like no one yeah. really knows his jokes anymore. But when you watch it, you're like, damn, he was he was good. Yeah. I
0: I watched this really good one that was on YouTube of him interviewing Chuck Berry uh after Chuck Berry had passed somebody had uploaded like the whole mm-hmm. video and mm-hmm. yeah i mean he really just he's super funny you know like sort of self deprecating at sometimes but yeah. was always in charge and um yeah it was it was just really awesome to see that like in its organic form
1: on youtube mm-hmm. i got to check that out
0: yeah and it's funny because he actually um told the other two guests that were waiting that he would invite them back next week because Chuck Berry was doing so well that everybody just wanted to hear him the whole time. So yeah, it's
1: funny how he just (laughs) changed stuff
0: up on the fly.
1: You know, it's funny. I, I have had those moments in cult cast too. And that's really, that is the gold that I'm constantly going after. Like there are those topics. There are those moments that you, there's no way you could have ever predicted would be entertaining. And you'll have a conversation about something and then Solid goal, it just drops, and and all the stars align, and you have a moment that it, that that makes it all worth it because it's just so unique and original and genuine. And one of the, one of the examples that for me I always bring up because it was one of the most special moments on our show. I think I was I was asking people we were doing a um, get to know your cultist, and I asked Leander what he would be doing if he wasn't doing cult of mac, and. I think his answer was he wanted to be a an ice cream truck driver, <laughs> yeah. which I was just totally flabbergasted. I, I I didn't even believe that that was his real answer, but but I pressed him, and and true and <laughs> truly that's what he wanted to be. And and he started talking about his love for kids and making kids happy, <laughs> and he would drive around the neighborhoods and give all these kids ice cream, and it was such a perfect moment for me. You really got to see the essence of leander in that moment and i thought it was a funny moment it was a sweet moment Mm -hmm. and it's just one of those moments that there's no way you could have ever planned it just happens right and that's the stuff that i live for when that happens on the cult cast i'm on a high for a week after that i feel great (laughs) yeah do
0: you feel like you are um, a host in a sense that you're you know, corralling these people to try to bring better things out of them. I mean, I know your title
1: is host, but do you feel that way? Yes. I mean, that's definitely technically my role and, and that's a role that I play, but I feel like the show is at its best when I don't have to do that. Um, and when I can be, I'm more of a, I'm more of a color guy. So I'm, I'm at my best when you're talking about something that's entertaining and I'm teasing stuff out of you or making commentary. That's, that's the, that's the role that I enjoy the most. And that can be a hosting role. But w- what I don't like doing is being the guy doing all the talking. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, my ideal role is, is, is teasing the conversation out and giving color commentary and then sitting back and letting them say what they have to say and those are always my favorite episodes to edit as well, because the episodes where I'm just talking the whole time, I'm like, uh, this is <laughs> this is this is un this is unlistenable. <laughs> I can't unpalatable. <laughs> I can't I can't handle this. Yeah, I can't listen to this for another forty five minutes. And I'm sure that our listeners feel the same way.
0: <laughs> well, before I wrap up the show, I just wanted to ask what sort of future plans you had for your content, um, live stream content, uh, cult cast, all that stuff.
1: Sure. Well, as much as I know, I want to really make a move into YouTube and Twitch. I think is is the path I want to go next, and um, and possibly more podcast content as well. It, it's just all a matter of you know how much how much time do I have, mm-hmm. and it's funny. Um, when I started, when I started doing more stuff, when I started doing more media, my focus was, was kind of like YouTube. I was doing YouTube reviews and I stopped doing YouTube reviews to start focusing on, on podcast stuff. And I, and I look at some of the people who were getting started when I was getting started, like loose Lewis from unbox therapy. And you know, that same time he's grown an 8 million subscriber channel doing reviews for all sorts of cool stuff. And I was like, and now I'm like, kicking my own sack i'm like why did i ever stop why did i ever stop doing that it was so crazy i mean you just don't know and i'm I'm very happy with the podcast and and i'm glad that i did it but i wish i would have continued doing reviews on youtube too because youtube is just so massive and has such a has such a huge mechanism for building an audience organically which is something that's always a struggle with podcast is where do you get your audience from, right? Mm-hmm. And how do people find out about you? Like, it's really easy to find stuff on YouTube. Well, how do you find out about new podcasts? iTunes yeah. sucks, you know. It's yeah, it's the not,
0: discoverability.
1: Yeah, it's it's terrible at it's surfacing content that you might be interested in. Whereas YouTube is that's one of the what's well, one of the best things about it. You watch a video, and it immediately it's showing you twenty other videos that you might be interested in based upon your viewing history. And there's nothing like that in podcasts, so it makes it hard to grow. It makes it hard to grow a podcast, which is why podcasts are always way smaller than people on YouTube. And uh, so I I definitely went in that direction. And then Twitch as well. I think Twitch is actually, I was just thinking about this earlier. Twitch's early days, like one of the biggest streamers on Twitch right now is named Dr. Disrespect. If you've never watched him, you should because he's a real real man. He's exactly what a man should be. And he only has 900,000 followers on Twitch. And he's the biggest channel. And it just goes to show you how, how much smaller Twitch is than YouTube. And I think YouTube needs some competition and I think Twitch will eventually become that competition. It's only a matter of time. Well, I'm looking forward to all this new content, um,
0: and to the new videos, but thanks for being on the show, dude. I really appreciate of course, it. Yeah. Thanks for
1: having me on. And, um, if people wanted to find you, uh, where can they go? So the best place, if um, you don't follow me on Twitter already, that's definitely the best place. And that's at Erfone, E-R-F-O-N. And that's where I talk about all sorts of technology and and my Twitch streams get broadcast there if you're interested in those. So that would be probably the best place. And then also on Twitch, actually, if you want to check out some of my Twitch vids, I'm currently um, twitch.tv forward slash vitamin E vitamin triple E vitamin E E E because that's been my Xbox handle forever. And that's also something I want to change, but <laughs> we'll do that another time.
0: Cool. Well, Damn. everybody go check that out and uh, dude, thank you again. Um, have a great one. You have a great one, dude. Well, everyone, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Throwboy Show. The Throwboy Show comes out every Monday. And if you want to follow Throwboy, you can just look up at Throwboy on Twitter, on Instagram, and basically everywhere else. We're Throwboy right there. You can talk to me there. You can also write me, fans, at throwboy.com. But until next time, I will catch you on the flip-flop. Peace.